0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 68, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today, we're rolling into part two of the Buying a Hunting Property DIY Report mini-series with Ben Harshine of Whitetail Properties. Today, we're talking tips for evaluating a property to purchase, so stay tuned. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast the DIY Report, Part Two of the mini series with Ben Harshine of Whitetail Properties. In the first part, you know what we're covering in this mini series, I guess I should say, is you know tips and things to consider when you are you know looking for or considering buying a hunting property. And what we covered in part one was really you know we've moved away from daydreaming per se. About a hunting property and wanting to start to really kind of make strides or take the steps to to really start to bring that to fruition and possibly make that uh, a reality. So we talked about finding an agent that, that that's going to be good to work with and and trust being the main factor or the main thing you want to consider is that you need to be able to trust that person that's going to kind of lead you into making one of the biggest investments that you'll likely make you know and through through the course of course of your life. Um, the other thing that we talked about as well was just some of the pros and cons of of bringing on a partner and how you might be able to make it a little bit more affordable. We talked about land specialists and you know and how they might they they are a little bit different than a real estate agent as we would maybe kind of understand it as we you know as whomever out there has gone through purchasing a house and, and and that there is some nuance difference when you're looking at buying a property and and that they're experts in the land that you're going to purchase as well as. Uh, the market and what's happening in real estate in general. So it was a lot of good, really good information. And, you know, now we're going to kind of take it to the next level in this episode. And, and, what, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, we're going to move now from putting our ducks in a row and finding our agent and saving them, you know, getting our money kind of saved and stuff like that and having a process for that. We're going to start to move into the the evaluation portion. So now, you know, that's that fun part where you get to kind of start to look at properties online or, you know, go out and take a look at properties and work with your agent and, you know, walk some of these properties. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about neighborhood and huntability and access to properties and stuff like that. So a bunch of things you need to consider about the property itself, uh, before you, you make the purchase. So that's what's on the docket today. Nothing too crazy happening in my life for a quick update. You know, had a, uh, a nice weekend getaway with, uh, with, with my wife, you know, it was a belated anniversary kind of outing for the for the two of us you know 15 years strong so um so that was super cool went to the the chesapeake bay or down around annapolis and and stayed on a boat for a weekend and just kind of hung out um you know was thinking about deer um you know during the during the time off i tried to to put that out of my mind as much as i could as i know we're kind of getting to that time of year of course we're all checking trail cameras and, and watching the velvet grow and uh you know, and really kind of waiting to make that turn. I have yet to start some of my deer work. I have some, some plots I need to be putting in on the new property, but they're all fall plots this year, as I've, I've mentioned in previous podcasts. So my work will really kind of start here after the 4th of July weekend. And the other thing uh, I wanted to make a quick mention of is uh kind of exciting. I forgot to do this last year. Um, and I told myself I wouldn't forget to do it again this year, but um last week on the 22nd actually marked the podcast's second anniversary. And last year we totally missed it. I didn't even realize it until we got probably 2 months past it and recognized like wow, the podcast has been on for a year. So now fast forward, you know, 12 months and here we are um at our second year anniversary. It was on the 22nd of of July. So I sent a post out on Instagram just kind of saying thanks to everybody um, who's been tuning in for, you know, the past two years, you know, whomever, those of you who've only been tuning in for a couple of weeks, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, John and I, I don't want to speak necessarily for John, but I feel pretty comfortable that he probably agrees with me, that we're we're super appreciative of all of you guys and, and gals that spend some time with us. Um, you know, I think it's really cool that, you know, you all jump on and, and listen to us talk, to, to talk deer hunting and bring guests on, and, um, you know, I will... I have to say, you know, not just the guests, but the folks out there that we interact with and I, I've become friends with on social media and stuff like that, y'all, you know, really do inspire me, um, you know, to to be a better hunter and to to be a better conservationist and and to be a better person overall. And so for that, I thank all of you, not just for tuning in to, you know, allow us to have this, this platform and do this, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, however, however often we get to do it. Uh, but more importantly, all the things that probably go unnoticed, um you know that that i that that i just want you to know that i don't take those things for granted so i very very much do appreciate um all the all the things that you guys have have provided and in this platform has has allowed me to experience so thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for that um and then in i guess in not in such grand fashion but you know i and i think what i wrote in the post was in true diy fashion you know i don't have a whole lot to provide other than a thank you and it doesn't feel like it does uh, quite enough but in true DIY fashion, that's all I have. Um, however, I, I did say that I would do a giveaway during the course of this podcast as a small token of appreciation from from us to you all. Um, and so what we're going to give away this week is another Trophy Ridge um, H4 uh, React site. Um, so I'll, uh, I'm will i actually going to make a post. It's not going to be related to this podcast per se. I'll make a post on Instagram this week with the Trophy Ridge product um, with some directions on how to get involved in that, so be watching that here either on Thursday or Friday if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, and then also want to pass along, you know, to, to you to you guys, Exodus is still Exodus still has their Velvet Fest going on. So if you hashtag Velvet Fest on any of your social media posts, you're automatically entered, and they're giving awesome prizes away every week from now until you know, I think like the end of July, if I'm not mistaken, ish. Um, and, and all you have to do is hashtag, uh, anything that you post on social media and it puts, puts you in a running and there's a grand prize drawing, um, at the end of it. So be sure to get involved in that. Also not to be outdone or outmatched, uh, wicked tree gear is also doing a killer giveaway, uh, with whitetail heaven outfitters. Um, I believe it's Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana is where they have, uh, their, their, uh, their farms. And the winner of this uh, of this giveaway actually will get to choose to have a hunt for free at the Hunter's Choice of, of Location. They're giving away a ton of other really cool prizes from, from Lone Wolf to Wicked Tree Gear products, um, so on and so forth. But all you have to do to get involved in that uh, giveaway is purchase either a Tecumseh Seed, a Glacier Cooler, or a Wicked Tree Gear product. Every purchase you make from any one of those three companies will put you in the drawing or in the running to win that hunt with whitetail heaven outfitters you can buy as many products as you want single purchases as many times as you purchase your name gets entered so the more you purchase the more chances you'll have to win and you could also use your exodus outdoor gear techamani seed and glacier cooler promo code from truth from the stand that's truth, and get 20% off of all your purchases and get into the running. So, just wanted to pass that along to you guys uh, to make sure you're taking advantage of that. And to that, now, without further ado, we'll make a couple comments here about our partners that help us uh, make this podcast possible. And then we'll jump into the conversation with Ben. First and foremost, we are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. Right now, when you visit WickedTreeGear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your Wicked purchase. And not to mention, your purchase puts you in the running to win a killer hunt. We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek is a byproduct of all the consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus Trail Cameras has to offer, but just can't fit a $200 camera in their budget, and that's okay. A budget-friendly camera backed by the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek camera comes in at $145. Actually, right now they are running a promo. I believe you can get it for $99. and has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera. Same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service policies, 0.7-second trigger speed, photo, video, time-lapse, all the things we've come to love. If you'd like to learn more about the Exodus trail cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. If you like what you see, save yourself 20 bucks. use the promo code TRUTH at checkout. And now without further ado, let's get Ben on the line. All right, we are back, and you're listening to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, installment number two of this series of DIY reports with Ben Harshine of Hunt Terra Maps, but also Whitetail Properties, and that's what we're doing today is part two of how to find a how to find a hunting property. In part one we really kind of covered all the um, what I'll call the grunt work all the all the things you kind of need to do to set the stage to go find a property. And this section uh, is the fun section. What I like to refer to as the fun section, where we're really kind of talking about evaluating a property. You've got all your ducks kind of in a row. You understand your budget, what you can afford, whether or not you're going to have a partner or not. And now you're ready to kind of work with a guy like a guy or a gal like Ben and go out and actually start looking at properties and, uh, and and really starting to see that dream start to to materialize. before we jump into that, how you doing, Ben?
2: i'm great clint i'm enjoying this i'm fired up for round two here
1: awesome man so let's it's not uh let's not belabor the uh, the upfront here let's just go ahead and dive right in so you know, finding and in, in evaluating a property. So I guess whenever you first start, you know, as I had mentioned, as we, you know, as I was kind of introducing this section, you know, we have all of the part one stuff that we talked about in a row. You know, we we've got our ducks in a row, we know what we can afford. All that stuff is right a roll. What's the first thing that you kind of do or, or in working with a guy or a girl or a couple, what's the first thing you start to do or, or kind of tell them as they start evaluating properties?
2: Boy. Um. Loaded gonna, question. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to evaluate based on what their goals are. So, uh I'm it, it's my job to understand is this person w- wanting to um be able to to go and 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 uh rip around on uh, four-wheelers and and you know do some fishing and, and and some camping during the summertime with their kids and that's that or is this is this person Wanting to to uh, manage a property specifically for mature whitetails, wait and then go in and surgically remove that deer from the face of the planet. I mean, that sounds really like crazy, but there are people that think that way, and they they want to buy ground where they can go in there and have the best chance at, at killing a big deer. So right. we're going to evaluate based on uh, what their goals are. We're going to evaluate whether they just want a pure hunting tract or if they want they have to have something with income as well, uh, affordability is their, their most important, or, or they do have a little bit of budget to work with. Do they, uh, um, you know, once, once we determine what they want, then we really start to dive into, uh, anything that, you know, any, anything that I've got listed, anything that, uh, other, uh, listings in the general area where they're, where they're wanting to purchase, uh, other agents so we all work together as far as real estate agents. We're not I'd like to think we're not competing against each other. We're all working together here for, for the common goal of bringing people together, buy and sell ground. So um, we're going to go and explore anything that's available. I'm going to dive into what are called pocket listings. Pocket listings are when people come to me and say, "Hey Ben, I would consider selling my ground. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel I, I really don't want to list it publicly, but I would entertain offers. You know, so so especially the veterans, I they've got a, a long list of of clients over the years where they got, uh, pocket listings that, that aren't even, you know, other people don't really know about. So nice. we're going to evaluate what you're looking for in a tractor ground for, for the sake of our listeners. Um, uh, let's talk deer hunting. Let's talk, uh, you know, let, let's talk, you know, the, uh, something from say a, a 40 acre to 120 acres of, of hunting ground. You nice. know, this, that kind of entry, entry level window and entry level could be 10 acres. That's, that's fine. But let's talk from like 40 to one hundred twenty. We can do a lot with that. Right. Um, I know you, one of the first things you want to talk about was access, right? I mean, access is, if you're, if you're really wanting, uh, if you're really wanting hunting specifically, uh, how you're accessing that farm is going to be, um, that's going to be a really important thing to consider.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think as far as like key features, I definitely want to dive into to key features to to evaluate against. But let me, I want to ask one question as like a, a follow up to how you kind of initially start evaluating, like understanding their goals and stuff like that. Because for, for me, I have a few, you know, I know you, you know, roughly know where I live. I live outside of Philadelphia and my hometown's in, in Bedford. And I know you kind of are, are familiar with that area being a, a fellow Pennsylvanian or, or a, a native son, if you will um you know one of the challenges i have with the hunting properties back home is that they're just far away they're three hours They're three hours three and a half hours you know from where i live is there any kind of guidelines you would suggest to folks if they are considering to buy a piece of hunting ground you know what's you know i guess how close do you could try to keep people to where they can actually enjoy it i mean if someone's if i come to you and i say ben i'd really like this property you know out in pittsburgh you know and i'm living in philadelphia Mm -hmm. you know and i'm saying you know it's a 100 acres or 40 acres or whatever you know, what's your kind of advice for that in terms of how close someone might want to be to their property?
2: Yeah, Closeness is certainly a relative thing, but I, I would say in general, general what I've seen, and me personally, two hours is going to be max. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, again, if that's what it takes to get into some really wicked country or, or a great, you know, a, a specifically managed neighborhood or a QDMA co-op that's really well known for having a great neighborhood, mm-hmm. if you got to stretch past that a little bit, and it's really that, if that's value to you, then by all means, go for it. You know, you can, you can figure out ways to, to, to work around that. But I'd say in general, uh, man, two hours seems pretty solid. Uh, uh, like I personally want to be able to, to go back and forth for some evening hunts or some morning hunts and not dedicate a whole day there. Right. Uh, growing up, growing up in Pennsylvania, my parents had, and they, they still have a cabin in Northern PA from, from, uh, home to there was just under two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we, if we had to get home, I mean, if we had to get home for one reason or another or up there for the day, then that's, I mean, it's doable. It's still doable. So right. I personally, if I'm trying to do like say an evening hunt, I've got a family man within one hour, would be really prime. That, that would be ideal. But that's what I've seen the majority of people looking at, you know, the one, one to two hour range Right. or two hours or under, I guess nice. would be the best way to put it.
1: So, kind of fast forwarding back to the back to the key features that we're evaluated against. I guess let's talk a little bit about you know access and, and stand location as far as like when when evaluating the the, the property. I, I mean, I know that you do boots on the ground. So how do you you know again? Let's say I, I come to you and you know pick a state, whatever. If it's Iowa or, or Pennsylvania, and we found this chunk of property now, you know, kind of in and in, <laughs> I let you know that you know on the upfront that you know Ben, I, I'm really wanting to buy this for. For hunting purposes, right? I want to try to have as good a hunt hunting as I possibly possibly can. You know, do you kind of take that opportunity to kind of walk it, look for look at access, and kind of talk through access and stand locations, and, and what are you kind of looking for? Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need hardcore tools. Do yourself a favor and check out Wicked Tree Gear, the toughest hand saws and pull saws on earth. You buy it once, you buy it for life, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Right now, if you use the promo code Truth. You'll save twenty percent on your next purchase with free ground shipping. So head over to wickedtreegear.com and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. Yeah, access specifically um, number one. If
2: it's not on a, if it's not on a road, a county road or a highway or, or, or whatever. Uh, if if it appears to be landlocked, it's got to have a legal easement to be able to legally get back there, crossing another person's property to be able to get back to it. I've got one listed for sale right now. Actually, it's sixty acres jammed in the middle of a section. Uh, a section is a square mile. Out here in the Midwest, mm-hmm. the section is is one square mile, 640 six hundred forty acres. This sixty acres is literally jammed in the middle of it, and there's a there's a quarter mile lane that goes or I'm sorry, half mile lane that goes back into it. So that legal easement is really important. Is from an access perspective. So how can you, can you legally get on the ground? Okay, check most, most, almost all properties you can, but you got to make sure that that is the case. Right. Uh, once we determine that, now, as far as accessing from a hunting perspective, um, you've got access for just the, the general, uh, the general approach to the hunting location. and And you might have 80 acres where, 70% are, are, huntable. Okay. Where you envision yourself parking or at least the, uh, um, you, from, from where you get from the road, stepping onto your ground, how are you affecting or letting that wildlife know you're, you're coming for them. So, right. uh, 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 a really, uh, good thing to consider is, is your wind directions, especially if you're a bow hunter, uh, look at, I was just looking at this not too long ago. Look at your historical wind data. Uh, believe it or not, the past three years here in Iowa, uh, majority of October and November, the major the, the, the most, uh, common wind was a South wind. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to have the most opportunities and that South wind is, is okay. Uh, typically that North wind or that, that Northwest wind will bring, uh, will, will come with cold weather and cold weather typically translates into to good whitetail hunting. So, right. uh, let's try to find something that we can access and not let the whole uh, property know that we're coming with that, with those different wind directions. So assessing that is, is key. Um, I personally really, I mean you might find a wicked piece of property you're wanting to buy. If it's got access only from a specific place, especially from the north, that's a, that's a minus for me. Um, so, uh, you've got access from, in that regard, as far as how it's affecting your hunting, but you also have to consider access, especially if you're wanting to put food plots in, how are you going to get equipment back or, or throughout that, that property? So you might see a nice hidden hay field that you want to convert into, uh, you know, a couple uh, a couple different food plots, different wind directions. Uh, you got to cross the creek to get back there. Is there, is there a good crossing there? Uh, in the Midwest, we call them uh, Missouri crossings, uh, or is it a is it a big washout where you it's, you literally can't get your truck or your tractor back there? So um, you got to consider that sort of access too, not only from uh, walking, but also uh, from an equipment and driving standpoint. Um, it's really important.
1: Yeah, it's that's um, interesting. That you mentioned you know I never thought of wind direction in terms of looking at a property. You know what I mean? It's like that it never really, really dawned, dawned on me to think of that. I think that's really kind of, you know, a smart, a smart thing to look at, especially if you're going <laughs> to yeah. buy it for hunting and thinking about what that prevailing wind is, you know. And even if you want to get nerdy about it, even going in and kind of wind mapping at least sections of it, you know what I mean? To kind of understand, <laughs> so my prevailing is this, but whenever I get into this little funnel, it likes to do this on a north wind, this on a south wind and try to understand I mean that's probably getting a little granular as far as like in, in evaluating it for purchase. That's something you maybe would do after after you've purchased. But you know I think that's really kind of interesting of looking at one direction to buy a property. I would have never thought of it. That would have been probably not on yeah, the checklist.
2: Definitely is an important. Uh, if I mean if you're uh, uh, you know a hunter and that's important to you, let's look at that together uh, between the two of us. We can put our heads together and really uh, determine whether it's going to work for you or not. Uh, another part of access in. We don't really deal with it here in in uh, southeast Iowa where I'm at, but uh, let's say like the Bluff Country of or the Driftless Region in in northeast Iowa and in, in western uh, western Wisconsin, uh, where you, where you're at. I mean, in Pennsylvania, the Appalachian Mountains. I mean, there is some really rugged country out there, and uh, whether you can get to those certain parts of the property, especially if you're hunting them, if you can get to them without killing yourself is really important. Top access, what they call top access, at least here in the bluff country is key. When you can access your property from the top and go down and not get super sweated, or are you going to only be able to access from the bottom and you got to climb to get to your stand, you know? So um, those are things to consider as well. I don't have a bunch of experience in that bluff country. And I think there's pros and cons to 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 that but uh yeah you gotta you gotta envision how you're going to be using it uh that's critical yeah Uh, i've hunted properties that look slammer from uh from the map uh but they have not uh i'm I'm limited in how i'm scooting around those Mm -hmm. properties haven't had longevity throughout the season compared to ones that are maybe a little more puny looking or or not as exciting but i can get to them from different ways that's really what i would prefer personally
1: right nice yeah So the next thing I want to kind of touch on, and I think this kind of leads into some of the stuff that you've talked about, you know, and I know the, you know, in part, in part three, we talk, you know, in the upcoming part three, we'll talk a little bit more about investment and so forth. But when you're evaluating a property, let's talk a little bit about, you know, tillable ground versus timber and, and how to, I guess, you know, uh, put a, a value on each based on, you know, what your, what your goals are for, you know, buying a hunting property. Uh, Well, say that again i guess what
2: you're what you're getting at is is a uh, hunting tract exclusively versus uh versus a one you can farm on as well is that
1: yeah yeah so it's like a, what you're saying yeah if i'm looking at a property and i say you know you and i are talking and i'm saying hey yeah i i really want to take a look at a couple you know a couple different pieces of property and um, you know, I know some of the property that I'm, I'm considering has, you know, a higher percentage of tillable land. Some of the property I'm looking at has a higher percentage of, of timber, you know, uh, land that could be timbered or just, you know, timber hardwoods to hunt, whatever the case might be. You know, I guess just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the pros and cons of having more tillable versus more, uh, timbered land.
2: Oh, uh, sure. Um, so the, the, the biggest factor or, or, or what's going to play the most, uh, when it comes into having tillable ground, is is going to be your price breaker. I mean, your cost is going to significantly go up if you've got good farmable soil there, because what you got the way you have to look at it is it's generating income. Even if you're not a farmer, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you're you're going to be able to to rent that ground out, okay? And and everybody uh, everybody around you is most likely going to want to. Rent that ground from you. Everybody's craving to, to grow their farming operations here if they have the cash. So, uh, th- if if you're looking at if you're looking at land that is is fifty uh, fifty, uh, you know you, you've got a big chunk of let's just say a hundred acres. You got forty acres of, of of good quality timber, and then you've got sixty acres of crop ground. That's going to be a. I mean, most likely we're not going to be looking at that. And then looking at a nasty river bottom, you know, uh, overgrown, uh, river bottom, you know, that's going to be significantly less. I mean, most likely we're probably not going to be looking at those two things, but we could within your budget, you know, in the beginning, when we're exploring the different layouts and, 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 uh, ways that properties can generate income from you, you know, that, that's what we would be. We would be talking about then, but soil fertility is, uh, so, in, in general, one one crop field isn't uh, is going to be a completely different price than a, a, a neighboring crop field uh, with the farming capabilities. And like at least in in Iowa, we have uh, the corn suitability rating. It's and like I said, it's a it's a, a it's a way to measure how good that that soil is and and what kind of yield you can expect to bring out of it. And when you've got that higher CSR value, that's more valuable dirt you can bring you can make more money in the form of row crops and cash renting it that's going to be a higher price per acre than uh something that isn't as farmable or has a lower csr2 value right. so um, there's measurements like that all throughout the country not not only for uh for crop ground but also for uh tim- timber i mean i know in the southeast where the just in the south they've got Pine plantations—they have what's called a site index, and that's again a, a measurement, and that's going to—that's what is going to be valuable for somebody that's wanting to buy timber tracks specifically for managing the pine stands. Uh, that's going to be an important number to them as well.
1: Right. So it's you know whenever you're looking at tillable versus timbered property, it's you know it's in you know your best interest to kind of understand the value of not just the purchase value of each but also what the value is of standing timber that could possibly, you know, help you pay for the property. Or as you had kind of mentioned, you know, if someone was willing to cash rent the, you know, your tillable, your tillable ground, or if you're going to farm it yourself, understanding what that can yield to help offset whatever your, whatever your investment cost would be on the upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so You had mentioned something just a couple of minutes ago, a good neighborhood, you know, and that's something, you know, I know, yeah, I know I'm pretty sure your buddies with Jake Ellinger as well. And I've talked to him a couple of different times and we've talked about QDMA and just, you know, setting up hunting properties and stuff like that. It's one of the things I don't know that people pay a lot of or as much attention to as they probably should and understanding who your, who your neighbors are. Can you talk a little bit about just evaluating a good neighborhood to buy a hunting property in?
2: Oh yeah. That's where you're really going to lean on your land specialist to, to be able to uh, know, where those areas are in time throughout our careers. We're going to discover, we're going to discover pockets of our areas of expertise, whether it's, it's, it's one County or or a whole, you know, eight counties or whatever we're going to, we're going to be able to um, learn where those pockets are. The guys are like-minded and they're managing for, for larger deer uh, or they're managing for mature deer. They're, they're paying attention to, their whitetail herd in the form of a a QDMA co-op. People are are working together to to have the common goal of, of of, uh, really having a great quality whitetail herd. So uh, talking with your, talking with your agent and and understanding where those, those good spots are, or maybe where there are places where there's a a lot of known, uh, maybe more known riffraff or, 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 poaching issues or whatnot, I mean, they're definitely good and bad neighborhoods, at least in, in Southeast Iowa, uh, that I know of. And, and, uh, that's, that's one way. Another way is to like, let's say you've got a couple different, <clears throat> you've got a couple different, uh, farms you're interested in, uh, go on Google earth and look at what the surrounding neighbors are doing on their ground. Are they, do they have a bunch of food plots? Is there, is there any fresh uh, tracks, two tracks that are going on or off that property. I mean, that's gonna. That imagery is not going to lie. And uh, being able to look at the neighbors and and really start to put together the the the, uh, the macro view, the the zoomed out view of not just your property, but how that one that's playing into the entire neighborhood and how everybody out uh, around you is affecting your potential new property. That's super critical. So, uh, QDMA co-ops are, I mean, those are as blatant as it gets where you have actual formed groups. Some of them even had logos and, and and like true memberships and whatnot. Um, those are, those are awesome ways to get into, uh, a piece of ground that, you know, you can have confidence in, in that you, if you're, if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to manage for, for, for big deer or for older deer, ones that you pass have a good chance of surviving the next year, or man, you got a lot of work to to put on on this one it's this ground's been neglected for a long time. you're getting into a co-op and most likely you're gonna have some other guys that are gonna be willing to, to chip in and, and help you and maybe they've got some equipment that you could borrow or, or, or rent from them uh those are good things to consider but na- neighborhood is so key because uh 99% of the people listening to this podcast are not going to be able to buy a piece of ground and, and, and be able to control the majority of, of, of those deer um, on their property. They're going to move off. They're going to go to the neighbors and what the neighbors are doing uh, is, is uh, going to directly affect those deer that you're using your ground too.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's as important what the neighbors are doing as what, you know, what, what, what you're doing, you know, it's uh you're only going to, you can only control so much to your, to your point. You know, it's, I think I forget what mm-hmm. the number was. It was something like a fat, th- unless you control roughly a thousand acres or something like that, that's really when you can start affecting herd dynamics to a degree. Um. You know, and most, like you said, most of us it's like you would get a 40 acre, a hundred acre, you know, piece of ground. And, and that's, you know, that's great. Um. You know, but you're really going to be at the mercy of those folks that are around you. And you would almost, I'm guessing you would almost, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would think that you would want to, um kind of prioritize neighborhood over over what looks to be from a topography and land perspective you know i would prioritize neighborhood over over a, a gem piece of land is that what kind of are you thinking kind of the same way
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, personally um if i'm just wanting a, a slammer of a, a of of a, a you know my best possible way to have an affordable uh, chance at owning ground and, and, and shooting a good buck or two, depending on what state you're at. You know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for that, that piece of ground that is jammed in the middle of, or is touching, um, not necessarily on the outside, but as a significant little piece of the puzzle for that larger, um, you know, neighborhood or those larger landowners. Um, they don't have that piece of ground and th- those are, those are ones I'm going to key in on. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have a skinny little, draw that, that connects two bigger, uh, tracks of, of big name neighborhood, uh, b- big name neighbors or large landowners, mm-hmm. um, that, you, you know, I'm going to have a good chance at, at, at getting a crack at some of those deer, you know? So mm-hmm. that's just another thing that, you know, if you got somebody on your side, we really can dial into, uh, finding, exactly what you're looking for. And just to, to cap it off a good neighborhood, it, I mean, at least here in the Midwest, it, it does carry a little bit of a premium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, some some of those places are, are more well known th- than others. Um, but because of the significance of, I mean, Southern Iowa is super rural. So uh, there are big chunks of, of ground where uh, landowners that are on the same page have, have locked up. And those areas are probably going to bring a little bit more price per acre or a good bit more price per acre, depending on how drastic, how, how big the the scenario is or the scope of the management that's going on in that neighborhood. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's important to know too. And, uh, that's where, you know, it keeps going back to working with somebody that is, 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 uh, dialed into the, uh, you know, at ground level
1: right there. Nice man. Well I think we uh I think we covered all the all the topics for, for evaluating Do you feel like is there anything that we that we glossed over that we missed that do you, you want to touch <laughs> on or do you think we covered all the uh, all the points?
2: Man, I think uh we could talk about this forever, but <laughs> I think we I think we're I think we're rolling pretty good here.
1: Awesome, man. Well hey, I appreciate you doing part two and I look forward to part three, man.
2: Okay. Sounds good.
1: All right, folks, that is a wrap. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to Ben for coming on the show. Be sure to head over to Whitetail Properties and check out the land available in your area and drop Ben a line on Instagram or Facebook if you have any questions. He will either be able to answer them or maybe point you in the direction of someone who is a Whitetail Properties rep in your state or your area that you are looking at property or that you live in. I'll post all the links uh, in the show notes. You can, uh, of course, get a hold of him and get in touch if you need to. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative of that. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout-out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, and Trophy Taker Rests. And until next time... We'll see y'all. A long time coming if
2: it all It takes a special knowing the
0: colorful Image text, broken letters Rationalize yourself in numbers, but I mm uh-huh.